He is so worthy. Lord, we exalt you. Lord, speak to us this morning. Challenge us with the truth of your word. Make us more like the people that you've called us to be, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. You can be seated in the presence of God this morning if you can. Everyone watching online, slide that back just a bit if you would. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would, hit that like and share button. Hit that like and share button so that we can reach as many people as we possibly can today. Look at you guys today. Thank you so much for being in the house of God. I tell you, you start out some Sundays thinking you know and what the Lord is going to do in a place, and then he begins to change things. I'm going to attempt to preach the word that the Lord has given me, um, but if it's okay, I want to preach the word that the Lord is giving me. Um, there's a difference between going to church and being a follower of Christ. There's a big difference between even um, having a fledgling relationship with Jesus and actually operating in the depth and the power that Jesus died for us to operate in. You know what I'm talking about? Um, got a question for you this morning. Maybe you guys watching online uh, might have an answer to this. Have you, ever, have you ever asked yourself, what if? Like, what if? Like, what if I, I hadn't ate all of the pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving? Um, <laughs> what, what, what if I hadn't dated that person? That's, oh, y'all are waking up a little bit on that. Just, what if I hadn't taken that job and I'd actually held out for one that was more suited for me? What if I had, you, you can look back on your life and, and you, you second guess yourself and you ask those questions. What if this? What if that? Or what if, how things would have been different? Sometimes I do that to myself too, to be honest with you. But this is what I know. You can't go back to the past and change anything. So, what if we took that question, what if, and stopped looking at the past with it, but we began to ask ourselves, what if, regarding the future? What if? What if? I, I love that question. Um, there was uh, two lumberjacks out in the forest chopping down trees. And if you guys ever cut down a tree with an axe before? Nope. That was a lot of work doing that. And I've got a picture I want to show you. Yeah, it, there, I'll tell you from experience, it is much better to use a chainsaw. Uh, there's a lot of work with that. These two lumberjacks were at the, at the camp and they're cutting down the trees. And there's a young one and an older gentleman and the young one looked at the older gentleman and said, how long have you been out here doing this? And the old guy said, about 20 years. It's a long time to be cutting down trees. The young man said, well, this is my first year here. This is what I know. I'm full of strength. I'm full of energy. I bet you $100 that at the end of the day, I can cut down more trees than you can. And the old guy said, boy, that's a lot of money. I don't know if I want to take that bet. He goes, I tell you. I'll, I'll make the bet with you, the young guy says. I'll give you an out. I don't want to take your money because I'm just telling you right now, nobody around here cuts down more trees in a day than I do. And he was just cocky enough to make the older guy want to teach him a little bit of a lesson. You ever had somebody like that before? You know, just talking smack. You got to give them some humble pie. So he said, all right, deal. $100 at the end of the day. Whoever cuts down the most trees. And boy, they went at it, started swinging axes, and the young man just putting everything he had into it, started dropping trees. Cut down two trees to every one tree that the old man was cutting down. Got a big lead on him. And then he looked over, and he noticed the old man had stopped cutting down trees and was gone. He took a break. He's like, I knew it. This old guy couldn't hang with me. I'm not going to take a break. 
I'm going to keep cutting down trees. So he started, kept dropping trees. And while the old man was taking a break, he dropped two more trees. Old man showed back up, started swinging his axe. But as the day went on, the results started changing. And the old man started catching up to the young man. And by the end of the day, when you looked at the count, the old man had cut down, you ready for this? 12 more trees than the young man. I can't believe you beat me. How in the world? Every time you took a break, I cut down more trees. I'm young. I'm strong. I didn't need to slow down. I didn't need to take the break. And the old man said, yeah, neither did I. It's not about slowing down and taking the break. While you were swinging your axe all day, when I stopped, I was sharpening my axe. So my blade never got dull the entire day. That's why I cut down more trees than you. It's not about the effort. It's about how sharp the tool is that you're working with. Now, what if, what if we didn't wait until the new year to reprioritize things? What if we said from today going forward, regardless of what was in the past, what if we said we're going to make sure that we stay spiritually sharp, that we stay a honed tool in the hand of God, that we never let the gifts and talents and things that God has blessed us with get dull? That we don't burn ourselves out with life, but we stay on fire, full of passion, ready to be used by the Spirit of God in any moment. What if we decided we didn't want to participate in the ritual of going to church, but we decided we wanted to be the church that God called us to be? What if? Jesus gave us the secret to making sure all of that happened. He was speaking to this huge group of people, preaching this message called the Sermon on the Mount, and you guys can read it in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6. It's so just packed full of wisdom and just nuggets of truth. Um, one of the more powerful things that he shared is probably one of the more overlooked things in church world. When I read this to you in a second, you're going to go, yeah, But there's a difference between reading something, knowing something, and living something. Amen. The big difference between the three. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, wow, man, get, get some of the greatest life advice you're ever going to get. In the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, he, he stops and he says, hey, so don't worry, boy, wouldn't that be just a great change in a lot of our lives right now? Just cut out the worry. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or when he says pagans, what he means is the world, okay? Um, so the world runs after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I love that. He goes, don't worry about the stuff everybody else is worrying about. The world chases after that stuff. And your Father in heaven already knows what you need. Boy, isn't that a great comfort? He already knows. There is nothing happening in your life right now that is taking God by surprise. Boy, he, he didn't just say, oh, snap, Gabriel, they got fired. What are we going to do? Holy cow, their whole family got the stomach bug. What are we going to do? Which, by the way, if you're watching at home, it seems like half of our church has got some kind of stomach bug. I promise you, we sanitize the mess out of this place after every service. Apparently, y'all kiss a lot after service. If something's going on, y'all swapping food or water. So many people sit, we speak healing over you guys. But none of that stuff catches God by surprise. He knows. He knows. Jesus says, here's what you've got to be concerned with. But, there's that but. Boy, buts are good and buts are bad in, in, in the Bible. This is a good but that Jesus is about to expose to us in, in the Word. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, this is a good but. This is a good but. He says, but seek first. Seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of that stuff is going to be given to you as well. Why are you stressing and freaking out over all of that stuff? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I like that he split it up. He wasn't like just vague preacher guy. He said, well, just put God first in your life. He goes, no, 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 no. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first to see the expansion of God's kingdom on the earth. Seek first to accomplish the will of God on this earth. Seek first his kingdom. Y'all are a little asleep this morning. I'm going to come over here. Seek first his kingdom. And then he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So he says, listen, prioritize or put first being about what God has called you to do. And then be about seeking the righteousness of God, drawing closer to him. He says, if you will put those two things first in your life, everything else will flow out of it, be filtered by it, and handled by it. There's a big difference between reacting to life and making life bend to your terms. Now, I'm not saying you can stop what life throws at you, but you can absolutely control how you respond to it. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's amazing. Seek, seek, seek. I know we're in church. I know you guys watching online, you've heard a thousand preachers preach. You got to seek first. You got to put God first. You got to seek first. You got to seek. But God, he's not like playing a hide and seek game with us. You know, it, the, the word seek that Jesus uses here is important. Don't just casually, haphazardly seek him like some people would want to seek him. Jesus says, no, you got to seek me on my terms. So he says, seek, the word seek means to aggressively pursue here when it's used in scripture. It's not like a casual look. It's you, you've got to do it with intentionality. You got, y'all waking up over here just a little bit. He says, you, you've got to do it on purpose. You've got to aggressively pursue this principle in your life. You have got to make yourself seek his kingdom and his righteousness. If you will prioritize and intentionalize this process in your life, then the promise is unlocked. See, you don't get to halfway seek God and expect 100% of the promise. It's his promise. He gets to set the terms by which the lock is unlocked. Does that make sense? A lot of people frustrated and say, well, I thought... I thought this Jesus stuff worked. Well, it does work. Well, I thought, I, I prayed for this and I didn't get the answer. Okay, two things were going on there then. Uh, maybe or maybe not it was the will of God, but you would have been able to discern that had you been seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know what I mean? So, so he says, put him first. Aggressively pursue it because there's a part of us wired into us while we're breathing air on this earth that is going to be in opposition with what God is doing in our spirit. Okay? So what he's saying is you, you got to put in the reps if you want the benefit. You've got to put him first. There's a part of us that doesn't want to do that in the flesh. That's why there's verses like Colossians chapter 3 that remind us that since then you have been raised with Christ. Set, look at this. It, it's echoing what Jesus has already just said here. Set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts. When you set your heart on something, you do it on purpose. It doesn't accidentally happen. Set your heart, prioritize your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And here's a sober reminder. For you died. Yeah. 
and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, I know if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're like, what are you talking about, died in Christ? This, this part, I think, is more for the church. Remember, we're dead. Just like when you baptize somebody and they go down in that water and it's, you're, you're seeing the, the testimony of I'm dying to my old way of life and being raised up a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is a reminder of that. Things are new now. There's a different set of rules. So why would we run around serving a game-changing God with an old set of rules that we used to live by? See, this creates the problem in the majority of people's lives because this is just true. When we, when we try to do life our way, we take God out of the picture and we become capped by our own efforts. When we take God out of the picture and we try to do it our way, we become capped by our own efforts. We're frustrated in life too many times because we can't get the ball across the line into the end zone. You know what I mean? Um, operating in our effort is a huge, huge mistake. I need a couple of people to help me out here. I need um, Kelly. Can you can you help me? I need I need I need somebody. Pastor Jeremy, can you help me real fast? Y'all are safe. I don't have to worry about y'all doing anything weird to me up here on the stage. So. As soon as I said that, I remembered that I brought this guy up here. And so, many times, this is what, you, you grab one end of that rope, you grab the other end of this rope. I'm really about to set you up for something I shouldn't. Um, you go over, go on, go on, stretch it out there, boom. All right, here we go. This is more accurate, I think, than this over here. This is my wife, Kelly, so I'm tied to her. Uh, I love, girl, I love you. You, you're amazing. So most of us live our lives this way. Now, let me, let, me just, let me just tell you, I'm not sharing anything with you this morning that I have not walked through personally in my own life, all right? So many times there's a disconnect between people sharing the word and people receiving the word. And look, look, man, I got skin just like you got skin. I got struggles just like you got struggles. I'm growing just like you're growing. And when I stand up here and I'm sharing the truth of the Word of God with you, I want you to be encouraged. And if it corrects, let it correct, okay? But this isn't me up here saying I got this all together. Listen, this is a lesson that I learned the hard way in my life that I'm desperately trying to share with you today so that you don't make the same mistakes in your life that I did, so that when you hit my age, some of you younger ones, or even, you know, some older people in the room too, so I'm somewhere in the middle. But, uh, but listen, you can ask that question, what if, in the right way, instead of looking back and going, ah. You know, most people, after they've accepted Jesus, remain tied to an old mindset and way of living life. Not just past mistakes and hurts, but a way of doing business. Jesus, God Almighty, his Pastor Jeremy Hart. Jesus ahead of us, for, for example's sake, uh, because you definitely don't resent, uh, represent the bad stuff in my life, and. I mean, look, look, man, you're full of Jesus, so we'll just let, the, let Jesus shine. So. I got a beard. There you go. He actually is more holy than me because he has a complete beard. I only have the little goat thing going on. So, All right, so Jesus in front of us, our old mindset behind us. And what happens is this. Old mindset, go a little bit further up. And we're not just connected. Now we're pulled between, have you ever felt like this, man? That war that's waging inside of you? Between flesh and the spirit. So we're pulled between the two. We're on with Jesus, but the problem is I can't get any closer to him because I'm still tied to what's behind me and I'm still tied 
to this old way of thinking. I'm still tied to this old way of doing things. And while I would like to get closer to him, what's preventing me is the past. So when you are saved, you become a new creation in Christ. The old, therefore, is gone. The new now has come. Jesus is giving a, a game plan on a new way to do life. He says, don't just seek me, but aggressively pursue me first. Aggressively pursue my kingdom, my work on this earth, and righteousness. Pursue that relationship with me. Aspire to be like me in every way and do what I've called you to do first. And all the other stuff will take care of itself. Or I guess a more accurate way to say it is God will provide what we need. So instead of putting Jesus in the second seat, because, hey, it's Christmas season. We all need that extra money, right? So we're going to drop the overtime and work on Sunday instead of being in the house of God. Because really, I mean, it's just practical and it makes sense. Well, the devil deceives more people with that kind of stuff. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, here's the trick. Here's the trick. If I'm going to seek him with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, can I embrace that with just one hand? Y'all are sharp. Y'all are keeping up with this. I can't fully embrace Jesus as first if I'm just holding on with a hand. Here's where the deception is, all right? I'm not even close to him. I'm not even with him. I'm just connected to him. This is where the deception is. It's not so much here, it's here. I've got just enough connection with him to make me think that I'm good enough to not realize that I'm still anchored by this right here. So the real deception is in this right here. Oh, you understand me? Oh. So, so I go to church, but Jesus isn't a daily thing. I'm connected. I serve in a ministry, but I don't give Jesus first place in my life. I'm just connected. I'll pray about that person I'm supposed to marry, but when it comes to fully embracing God's will, I just stay connected to him as the person that answers the prayer when I have it. I don't fully embrace him, and the only way that it happens the way that it's supposed to is if I choose to let that go, and I choose to let this go, and I move myself into a place of proximity with Jesus. That is the only way that it happens. Listen to me. Don't stay connected to Jesus. Embrace him with all that you are. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Put him first. Aggressively pursue him in everything And don't fall into the trap of deception in your life. This right here, this right here is what's wrong with the majority of the people in churches in America and in the world right now. We've got just enough of both worlds to trick ourselves into thinking we're okay. Because he's there when I need him, but when it comes down to it, I still have control because I'm operating in the old system. So I feel good because I think I got a grip. When's the last time you really had a grip on your life? You know what I mean? There's sometimes I just feel like I'm on this roller coaster alone for the ride, and I'm like, I don't even know what's coming up next, you know? But God knows. Give these guys a hand for helping me out this morning. So, So the big thing is this, is that Jesus must be the filter that prioritizes everything. Everything. Filters 
capture impurities and prevent them from getting to what you're trying to purify. So if I didn't have a water purifier and I was out in the woods and I was thirsty and I was out of fresh water, what I would do is I'd go over to my campfire and I'd take the burnt wood and I'd crush it up into a powder, create a charcoal base, and I'd go find some sand and I would create a filter in my bottle. And I would have a filter of charcoal at the top, a filter of sand in the middle, a filter of charcoal there, and then the rest of it would be sand. And then I would take a piece of cloth to capture the chunks and the pieces at the bottom, and I would let the unclean water pass through and be filtered. The filtering process takes out the toxins and the impurities. Some of the larger bacteria and viruses, boiling water kills the viruses and bacteria. Boiling water by itself, though, isn't enough because you still got the toxins. Boiling the water doesn't get rid of the toxins. You have to filter it first. You understand? Um, the bigger problem with us is that we're, I think spiritually we're, satisfi or if we're satisfied with the boiled water instead of letting the filtering process take place. Jesus has got to be the filter. It all has to run through him. So it's not, not what we want. It's what he wants for us. And, and here's a question. Is that such a bad thing? You know what I mean? Is that such a bad thing? My kids want stuff all the time. All the time. All the time. But I know better for my kids. And I still give them things that they asked for. But at the end of the day, I give them what's best for them. Why would our Heavenly Father be any different? He gives us what's best for us. So, here comes a big question then. What, you know, what, what is Jesus' Jesus's motivation then in, in saying, put me first? See, this is where, man, I, sometimes I mess up so bad preaching. Because this is where I'm supposed to say, you've got to put God first. And if you're not putting God first, that's a you problem. And you're going to go to hell. And you're going to miss out. And, you, and there's some aspect of truth to that. I like to ask objective questions, though. If it's in the Word of God, it's there for a reason, right? So there's got to be a motivation there for it. Why would Jesus say, put me first? Why would he say, before you, you go after anything else, it's got to be my kingdom and my righteousness. Because he wants us to have his best life for us on this earth. I want you to look at these next few items with a different filter on. And a different lens then. So let's look at time. Because whether Jesus is first in our lives is going to manifest in, in three major areas that trickle out to other areas, but it all flows out of whether or not he's first. So if you look at time, why would Jesus say, put me first then, and what we do with our time? See, it's, it's, not, it's not like the, the condemning approach of saying, why ain't you serving in church? Why ain't you in church more consistently? Why ain't you this? Why, why aren't you? See, it's, it's the wrong perspective. The better question is, why would Jesus want to be first in my time? Why, why would the, his kingdom and his righteousness matter then in my time? You ever, you ever felt overwhelmed? But Christmas season, I get it, man. We're busy. Came out of Thanksgiving Rolling into Christmas, which, by the way, I'm so excited about Christmas service on the 17th. You guys, I'm telling you, invite everybody you know. Um, see what the Lord's going to do that day. It's going to be amazing. Time. People feel frustrated. They feel overwhelmed. You ever felt like there's just not enough of you to give to everything? And, and the bad part is, if, if you're like me, you want to. You know what I mean? Like you want, I want to be at all the things. I want to take part in all of the stuff. I want to give myself to these things. And there's just not enough 
if we put Jesus first, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, what happens is that filtering process then sets priorities. Here's a gold nugget. There is never conflict with priorities. There's plenty of conflict with busyness. And there's a difference between being busy in life and being productive in life. So Jesus is saying, stay in that sweet zone, okay? So put me first. Put my kingdom first. Put my righteousness first, all right? Make that first. And that, that is going to let you clearly see what else needs to take place in your life as a priority, Priority, priority with time. You put him first, then that feeling, I'm not saying you won't have seasons where you're tired. I'm not saying you won't have seasons where you're busy. But being busy and being burnt out are two different things. I think too many times we're burnt out because we're scattered, torn between two worlds, trying to do it this way while we're connected to that way. And we're stretched too thin. And what we need to do is just stop and say, nope, Jesus first in every area of my time. And then with what I have left over after the priorities that the word of God sets and establishes for my life. Anything else I have left over, then that's cool. And I'm going to be fulfilled because I'm accomplishing my priorities instead of being burnt out because I'm trying to do everything. Put him first. In your time. So then again, look, let's look at talent. Like everybody in this room has a gift. Everyone in this room has a talent. You have something that God has given you, unique to you, to be employed in his calling on your life. And you're gifted in a way that no one else is to accomplish that specific calling and that place in the kingdom of God. I can never do what you're called to do. And you can never do what I'm called to do. Some weeks I wonder if I can do what I'm called to do. I, I get it. Talent. But when you give yourself and your giftings to everything but Jesus first, then you feel unfulfilled. You lose a sense of purpose. Because you got the gifts, you got the talent, but you're not employing it through the filter of Jesus first for what he created you for. You know what I mean? So you find yourself floating around here. here you, ever, you ever had that, that, that moment at work where you're doing what you're doing and you just say, I hate this. I hate this. And it's not just because work is work. It's because I know that I am not doing what I was created to do. I am unfulfilled in this, this season of life. See, if talent is yielded to him first, that takes care of itself. See, now I'm working because a responsible person works and I'm paying the bills but I'm not unfulfilled because I am who God called me to be first and I'm doing what he called me to do first and I'm using my gifts and my talents in the arena that he's called me to use them in. So I'm paying the bills because you got to work, but I am fulfilled in all of that because I am first the person that God has called me to be using my gifts for him. So now you're not overwhelmed, now you're not stressed out, now you're not pulled in 50 places because you've got priorities set. Now you're not unfulfilled with internal struggle because you're using what you have been given for the reason why you have been given it. Maybe Jesus is smarter than we think he is. And then the last one he, he, that, that would drop into this would be treasure. So your time, your talent, and your treasure. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seeking him first in everything. If ever there was a stronghold in the church, 
let me, let me rephrase. If ever there was a stronghold that came along with a religious mindset, it would be over the issue of giving, and it would be over the issue of making sure that Jesus was first in our finances. See, you messed up because you came to a church where the pastor could give a flying rip about whether or not people give or don't give because I'm not controlled by the offering. I'm controlled by the word of God. And I will stand up here with love in my heart and look you in the eyes and say, listen, if you aren't putting Jesus first in your finances, you're missing out. See, it's, it's the motive. Why would Jesus want to be first in our finances? Why? What does the word of God say? Because when, when we give and we put him first, one, we're seeking first his kingdom with that. Um, two, so where our treasure is, our heart is connected to that. It reveals who's sitting on the throne of our heart. Because we're either still over here trying to serve Jesus connected to an old mindset financially. I don't have the money to pay a tithe. I don't have the money to give. What did he say? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and he would do what? Okay, so is Jesus a liar? He tells the truth. All right, if you will believe Jesus for your salvation, and you believe Jesus to forgive you of all that junk you done did in the past, some of y'all are just like smiling and looking all churchy. I've heard your testimonies. You're, you're, you, you got faith for Jesus to forgive that, but you won't control? So the motivation is this. He wants the best. He wants the best. See, the problem is there's been bad biblical teaching with regard to finances. The, the problem is there, there have been very publicized people in, in like my position that have done irresponsible things with money. But if I was the enemy and I wanted to slow down the advancement of the gospel on this planet, the number one thing I would do as a military move and strategy would be to cut off the supply line and try to deceive people into not making sure that the church is funded to reach the community. A church that operates correctly, biblically, isn't throwing everything in a savings account. It's using the funds to reach lives and impact eternities. That is the difference. And I'll tell you, you're in a church that uses the funds to reach people for Jesus. And I, you got questions on that? I'll walk you back after service and show you the books. And we always tell people, listen, even if you don't give here, Give. Amen. Give to a church. But if you call Eastgate Church your home church, man, saddle up and get on the horse and let's ride this thing out and see how many people we can reach for Jesus. And, and not only are lives impacted when we put him first with our treasure, something amazing happens that doesn't make sense on paper. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've started the month looking at my bills and seeing the deficit in income and expenditure. And I can't explain to you how in those months, my faithfulness in giving to Jesus first does something. It, he, he talks about it in the book of Malachi, that if you put him first, he says, put me to the test with finances and see if I won't pour out a blessing there's the difference Amen. now what we have is blessed why because it's not under our control it's under his control Amen. now it's blessed it, it's funny how a dollar can turn into three yeah. you know now i had not woken up yet and seen a bentley in my driveway <laughs> all right so so all that prosperity junk is is junk but the the, the principle of giving is solid though so what's the motivation? Jesus knows that we were, one, we were going to need something to keep us in check. To make sure that we have an outlet to, to, to have a place to make sure that our heart stays where it needs to stay. Promise you, when people start, stop giving, something's big here that manifests later. Um, I'd encourage you 
I'd encourage you, look, don't trust me. Trust Jesus. Amen. Put him first with your finances. Put him first. And it's funny. Now, you're not stressed out. You're not overwhelmed. You're not pulled in a thousand places. Jesus helps set the priorities when you seek him first. Now, you're not unfulfilled because your gifts and your talents are being used for the kingdom and his righteousness first. Now, you're living a life that's blessed. Whew. A life that's blessed on top of all of it. Where... It, Pressed down, shaking together, running over? What he's saying is, guys, if you will just put me first in this, all of it will flow naturally out of that priority and relationship with me, and I will give you your best life that I, your Father in heaven, can see that you need. You want the toy, but I know that you need the money for college. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he sees the difference between the two. And so it's like the motivation in it is different. This is why I get excited. <laughs> I get excited when I choose to prioritize the kingdom over what I would want to do sometimes. I'm not saying you can't have hobbies and have fun. I think you got to. But he comes first. I get excited because when I put him first, I know that his best is going to be with that first. Amen. You know, when it comes to what I do to serve in the kingdom of God, I get excited because I know that his best is tied to me giving that first. Financially, I know, I know that his best is tied to me putting him first. And if I choose to not do it, I've limited myself to me. And shut the door on the God that loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me. And Jesus says, listen, listen, if he will send me to die for you, how much more do you think he will open up everything that is at his disposal to equip you with in this life? Man, the motivation changes when you look at it differently. Imagine what your life would look like if Jesus was first in all of it. I'm so excited when I think about that. Just imagine the difference in your family. The difference in the clarity that would come in sitting down as a married couple and looking at the budget and saying together, no, we're holding each other accountable. Jesus comes first and we'll watch how he provides for the rest Amen. see he's either a liar or he's not right. got news for you he's not you know to, to sit down and have him first with your family and say no th this is how it's going to be because Jesus comes first and then seeing the difference in the household to, to see everything change because he's first Amen. big difference maker for sure and I think at the end of the day the biggest the biggest change of all of it would be one word peace yes. peace there's a peace that only comes with knowing that you are right in the middle of the will of God. See, peace isn't, and you've heard me say this before, but peace is not the absence of problems or trouble. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble. Peace is not the absence of that. Peace is a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus. That in spite of what's happening, I know I'm good. And there's a level of peace that you can only walk in by knowing that you put Jesus first. Amen. If you put him first in everything, listen to this. It, if you're in the will of God today and you wake up tomorrow, does something happen overnight to knock you out of the will of God? No. Nah. You wake up tomorrow in the will of God. People freak out. No, what, what, what's God's will for my life? What's my purpose? What's, what's what? Well, seek first 
and it'll fall in line. That's such a churchy thing to say. No, that's what Jesus said. Put him first. And all these things will be added to you as well. Because if I know he's first, and I know he's first in my time, if I know that everything that he's gifted me with is first his, and then I can flow out of that giftedness to make a living or, or whatever. If I know that financially he's first, and I've done my part, then regardless of what I see happening in the world or what I see happening in my world, I can be still and know that he is God. And I can know that if I've done my part, then what I see is just details. It's just the pause before the answer. It's just the cloud before the sun breaks out. It's just now that he will keep his word and it's all good here. And it's all good here because it's all good here. Wouldn't it be something to not live a life of desperation from moment to moment, crying out to him, but to just live in a place of peace constantly? Not having to run to God because you're already with him. Not just connected to him, but fully embracing who he is. Seek first his kingdom. What a life key Jesus gives us here. The question is, do you want his best life for you? At the end of the day, that choice is ours. I get to choose, you get to choose. But if I know his motivation is good and his word is trustworthy, why in the world would I settle for my best when I could live in his? You know what I mean? Something else. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you. For the truth of your word. For what you have shared with us today. Father it's my prayer. And I hope everyone's prayer. Lord that we have you first in every area of our lives. And I just encourage you right now. Take a moment. And, and look inside. This is the question only you can answer. Is Jesus first in your life? Or are you torn between two worlds? Are you still trying to control the things that you need to submit to him? I guarantee you, if you're trying to control the things that you need to submit to him, there is frustration and conflict in those areas and an absence of peace. Is he first? Maybe you're here today, and, and even that question, that, that seems like a mountain of an obstacle to you because... He isn't Lord and Savior, first of all. That's got to be first. None of this stuff is unlocked without him. None of this stuff works without him. It starts and it ends with Jesus. And this is what I know, that Jesus loves you as you are where you are right now. You don't have to take the time to get yourself right before you come to God. See, that's what religion would teach you. Religion will teach you that God takes bad people and turns them into good people, and he doesn't do that. He takes spiritually dead people and brings them back to life. So religion will talk about behavior modification. Jesus is in the business of life transformation from the inside out. Because if we could fix ourselves, he wouldn't have had to have died for us. Is there sin in your life today? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't have a relationship with him, I want to pray with you this morning. And in a second, I'm going to ask you to count to three. And if that's you, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. And you say, Pastor Josh, yeah, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's not real. It's, it's not what it needs to be. There's sin in my life, and I've let it go on too long. I need to, I need to put an end to that and put Jesus truly on the throne of my heart. Maybe you're here today and you've been really good at going through the motions of a relationship with God, but having a real one 
that's a different story. And the beauty of the question of are, are you right with God as Jesus Lord and Savior truly of your life is that the, the beauty of it is everybody knows the answer immediately. It's not I hope so, it's not maybe, it's either yes or it's no. And if it's no right now, we can make that a yes before we walk out of here today. Say, Pastor Josh, I need to get right with Jesus today. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me if that's yours. I see yours. I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I see yours. Praise God. Just a little bit longer. Pastor Josh, he is not Lord and Savior of my life. He's not on the throne of my heart, but I want him to be. Lift your eyes and look at me if that's you. I see you right there. It's awesome. There's a difference between being real and playing a game. One more time. If you need to lift your eyes and look at me, lift them up and look at me if you haven't done it yet. Outstanding. Let's all stand this morning if we can. We've had a small group of people respond. What we like to do here is this. I'm going to pray a prayer, and everyone in here is going to pray this and repeat it after me. If you lifted your eyes and you looked up and said, hey, I need to respond to this stuff, I want you to pray this prayer and mean it from your heart. You know, the Bible says that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. And that's what we're going to do corporately today. We do this together because at Eastgate Church, no one walks alone. Amen? We got your back. So you're not going to do this by yourself. So everyone, if you will, pray this prayer after me. And if you responded, pray this and mean it from your heart. Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die for me. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for my sin, for raising from the dead and bringing victory to my life. I repent. That means I turn away from the sin in my life. I don't want it. I want you. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Change me from the inside out into who you created me to be. Thank you for saving me. Let's give God praise in the house this morning.